the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And it's summertime, baby. Summertime. And the podcasts are easy. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Today we are doing a summer-themed episode. We are going to talk the 1985 John Candy film, Summer Rental. We're also going to recast that bad boy. We have not done a comedy recasting in a while. Yeah, this will be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, much like the uh, summer, you get the beach, you get some babes, and you get Baywatch. We are going <laughs> to talk the 90s show Baywatch. I would say on top of all this... Uh, this is also kind of, this episode just reminds me of our dad, because to me, he, uh, he introduced us to both of these movies, this movie and the show, I think. Uh, that sounds right. Definitely Baywatch. Def- definitely Baywatch. So, but yeah, let's, uh, let's get ourselves into that wonderful year of 1985, the year of Adam Spies' birth, the fantastic <laughs> year that it was that everyone rejoiced. In praise of Here Comes Adam. Uh, what else happened that year, huh? Besides that great, great thing. So the film was released on August 9th of 1985. The Billboard Top 100 single for that week is Shout by Tears for Fears. Let it all out, baby. That's a good one. Uh, The Cosby Show was topping the Nielsen ratings. No surprise there. Uh, Mm -hmm. The New York Times bestseller is a book called Skeleton Crew by Stephen King. Uh, Not one I've read, but... Okay. Yeah, not one I've heard of. I mean, usually a lot of those Stephen King ones have become movies by now or stuff like that. But he, just thinking about it, he probably wrote so many damn novels. He's... (laughs) God, yeah. He's such a prolific writer as far as the amount of stuff. I think... Sometimes I think Stephen King went for quantity, not quality, sometimes. Uh, Fair enough, yeah. But, you know, if you write enough stuff, some of them are going to be winners. And he does have some some pretty good stories in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the world of video games, uh, not too much was going on before this, but about two months after this movie came out was the release of the original NES system in North America. Gotcha. Okay. 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 So it must have come out because I remember in my head when we did some stuff that came out in '83, but maybe that was Japan. Yeah, it came out in '83 in Japan. It didn't see North. It didn't come to North America until 1985, October of 1985. And okay. uh, I noticed that because as I was looking at at releases, there was a whole slew of video game releases on October 18th, and then I realized, ah. oh, that's when they released the original NES system. It just, yep. Yep. The drop date. Okay. Cool. And uh, random fun fact about 1985, for some reason, uh, the Supreme Court declared that the island of Long Island was not an island. It was a peninsula. <laughs> and that the Supreme Court needed to bring that in? Even though it's very clearly surrounded by water. Uh-huh. I'm not sure what the legal reason was. I think it's, I take it, I'm sure it has something to do with some sort of legalese that you know, they wanted to do, it's kind of like how the tom- uh, the tomato became labeled as a vegetable, even mm. though it is technically it's a fruit. A fruit, yeah. So, that was 1985. <laughs> okay. 
Well, John, uh, it is time to put on those thongs. And I'm talking about flip-flops, baby. They used to be called thongs. And let's get out to the sandy beaches and talk summer rental. All right, summer rental from 1985, directed by Carl Reiner. Uh, he created the Dick Van Dyke show. He did the movie Man with Two Brains. He also created Rob Reiner, uh, his son. <laughs> So that's probably, you know, how you know him. I mean, he's a prolific comedy writer-director from, you yeah. know, back in the day. Also in uh, Ocean's Eleven. I think a lot of people forget that. Oh, yeah, he was. He was in it. Yes, yes. exactly. Yep, he was one of the uh, one of the Eleven, the old guy from the yeah. Eleven. Um, it was, uh, this movie was written by Jeremy Stevens and Mark Reisman. Uh, Stevens wrote for some awesome shows like Everybody Loves Raymond, Coach, and also The Electric Company. And Mark Reisman wrote for things like Wings and Frasier. Okay, good stuff. Really good shows, yep. Music in Summer Rental was done by, I think, the guy who has done more episodes or <laughs> movies that we've talked about so far than anyone else, Alan Silvestri. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just going to talk the movies that we've covered that he's done. Okay. He did Flight of the Navigator, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Mac and Me, Fern Gully, and Sidekicks, all films that we've done. So this is the sixth time we've talked him, at least. And, and then also... I was saying those aren't even like his big movies. No, because he did Back to the Future is one of his most famous things. He's done a lot of the Avengers movies recently, mm -hmm. and those have great grand scores. He's done tons of stuff. He is a, I would say, a top level composer. Absolutely. Uh, cinematography, I actually want to mention, uh, was done by Rick Waite. He did some other comedies and, and things like that. He did uh, 48 Hours, Footloose, Red Dawn, Volunteers, Cobra, Great Outdoors. But the thing that I want to actually mention... And it's um it's a movie that I don't know if we'll ever get to because it, it was actually a mini series I think it was came out on TNT uh, so it's kind of like a made for TV movie but I remember watching it with with mom back when it came out and I don't think you watched it with us I feel like it was a thing that was just mine and mom's and I actually have the DVD of it and maybe if I can get Ken from you call those tactic tactics to do it with me down in the future now i know i have a thing with him where we only do our um ultra uh homosexual kind of vibe <laughs> movies together like that's that's just kind of our our dynamic but if he ever wants to get serious <laughs> and talk uh andersonville did you ever watch that tnt miniseries i absolutely watched andersonville in okay, fact maybe uh, hmm. I went to high school with someone who was a background actor in that series. Oh, very cool. So maybe we did watch it as a family or something. I mean, I, for some reason, yeah. I just have it in my head as mom. But So we probably watched it all together. But I love that movie. Yeah, it was a great series. Yes. Okay. Uh, cast for Summer Rental. Jack is played by John Candy, one of the most prolific comedians, comedic actors of, I would say, like our generation. Like we just, and, and nostalgic. Like yeah. we all look back at him to me in the same vein as the Robin Williams, mm -hmm. the uh, John uh, Chris Farley's, the John Belushi's, yeah. that kind of stuff. Where John Candy is just such a, he, he also came across a lot more wholesome than even some, most of those guys that I just talked about, right? Uh, which I we always appreciated as kids. So uh, we talked about him, of course, when we did our uh, breakdown of Uncle Buck. Mm -hmm. Great movie. So uh, his wife Sandy in the film is played by Karen Austin. She uh, has done tons of small parts, but um, I can't remember if we mentioned her or not because she was in the first season of Night Court when oh, we talked nice. Night Court. So she was in the first, and then she kind of got replaced. I think after like the first 10 or 12 episodes or whatever it was, uh, she left the show or got asked to leave, and then they replaced her because she was supposed to be the um, love interest for uh, 
Harry. Ah, okay. Jennifer, the daughter, is played by Carrie Green. Most people would probably recognize her from Lucas, or what I think most everybody recognizes her from is Goonies. Yep. Uh, and actually, funny little side note here: Carrie Green. Uh, I'm not I, the uh, the little actress who played the youngest daughter. Um, mm-hmm. I can't even remember. I, I should have checked that out, but. Uh, this was her only credit. She was actually from local, from the area where they were filming, and so they hired her there. Okay. But for all of the VO that was needed for her, Carrie Green did the dubbing of the younger sister. <laughs> yeah, there's at least one specific spot about dubbing that we need to talk about when we get to that. Near the end? I yes. mean, that was that's some weird comedic thing. I guess. Yeah, I always I never understood it. It didn't make any sense, but yeah, we can talk about it. But yeah, when they were having like some of these dubbed this some of this VO spots, instead of flying the young girl out to LA to record it, they just had Kara Green do like a her really young child voice for it. So okay. Which is kind of funny when you think about how many times Carrie says, Stop copying me and it's like, Well, it's just your own voice returning back. <laughs> it's probably most of that stuff. Uh, so it's just kind of humorous. Bobby, the uh, middle child, is played by Joey Lawrence, a very young Joey Lawrence. Whoa. Uh, whoa, from uh, Blossom, if anybody knows that. Uh, some some of the younger people would probably know Brotherly Love, things like that, uh, that show. And he voiced Oliver in Oliver and Company, if y'all don't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, Scully is... Or was played by Rip Torn. Rest in peace, Rip Mm -mm. Torn. You passed away, I think, in 2019, I believe. Yeah. We, most everybody knows him in the comedy world from either Men in Black, Dodgeball, uh, The Larry Sanders Show, something else. He's done just tons of great, just comedic characters. Yeah. Al Pellet is played by Richard Crenna. He has been in pretty much all all of like the the first group of Rambo movies, played a character in all of those. Um, and then also he was in The Real McCoys. He uh, was played one of the McCoys in The Real McCoys. Okay. And then Don Moore, who is a very mi- minimal character in this one. Mm-hmm. And they used a great actor for such a small <laughs> role. They had John Larroquette, uh, who was also from Night Court. Or Stripes. Hey, Stripes with John Candy. Night Court with yeah. uh, Karen Austin. A little ties there. We didn't get good John Larroquette in this movie. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> he was just kind of there. Yeah. So I have a feeling... And I, and I was going to mention it later, but I have a feeling that there was like this whole subplot that they were going to try and tie together. Like they had to tie together some subplot about like, I'd say John Candy's wife hanging out with them all the time. And like maybe, maybe Jack thinking they were having an affair or something. Yeah. And I bet it got cut. Like why else would you have John Larroquette in a role like that? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get into our breakdown and we meet our family man, Jack Chester. Uh, we just kind of see that, you know, he's obviously stressed out guy right now in general. Um, his wife, you know, watches out for him and, you know, he's heading to work. Things aren't going too well. He had the kids hard boil him some eggs. Well, they tried. <laughs> <laughs> they did not succeed. Uh, we also see, you know, the cars are parking too close so he can't get out properly. He's just he's being frustrated with life right now. Yeah. And he's an air traffic controller in Atlanta. Yeah. Hey. I always had those nice little feels about Atlanta. You kind of see the roadways in Atlanta. You recognize it or we recognize it in one of the busiest airports in the world. And he is an air traffic controller. He's just overstressed in general. He ends up losing a plane when a fly jumps on his radar and he can't (laughs) see it. Uh, So it's obviously he's just he's a little out of it. He's been working too hard. And so his bosses give him a mandatory five week vacation. I'm just like, really? Is that a fucking thing? Do companies actually care about people like that? Maybe they did in 85, but not now. No, no, definitely not now. That vacation would have just been fired. 
Exactly. He would have just gotten fired. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, that's nice to think. You know, that, that's a, that was a thing back then. Uh, so for his vacation, the family packs up and they head down to Citrus Cove, Florida, which is not a real location. Mm-hmm. It was made up. Uh, they actually filmed this uh, at a place called St. Pete Beach, Florida, which is right by St. Petersburg. Okay. Near Tampa. Okay. So uh, they go down and they get a house and it's just perfect. It's an awesome house. They get all their stuff in. They empty their trailer that they've got. Uh, they meet some neighbors. The dog was barking at one of the group of neighbors and the other group of neighbors are kind of pretentious assholes, but whatever. It's it's a wonderful little place. Jack even passes out in like the back beach area and gets a wicked sunburn yeah. uh, and woken up kind of by his son holding a crab in front of his face, just being creeped out. So uh, they go to this very fancy place for dinner and he really wanted lobster. Like, specifically, which I thought was kind of, I mean, that's fine. Yeah. When I think of Gulf of Mexico, I don't think lobster. I think more like, you know, Maine, New England for lobster, but right. it's all right. He was, I guess he just really wanted seafood, and so lobster was on the menu for him. Uh, and it's this huge, long wait, and uh, before they're even able to get really close to get a table, this douche in a sailor's cap walks by with a with a party and they get seated immediately and that guy is Al Pellet who they kind of saw in line about this you know has this boat and has won this regatta so many many times etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. and so he gets seated immediately uh, which obviously pisses off Jack he uh, goes over to Al Pellet's table and causes a whole scene and fights with him over kind of like the lobsters and all this shit your lobsters yeah you got my table but you're not getting my lobsters okay oh, and this is your table my table. Oh, I see. This is your table. And these are your lobsters. You got it. I suppose this is your wife. Hmm? Is this your tie? Nope. Is this your shirt? Mm. Is this your belt? Are these your shorts? And so they just end up being furious. He says, fuck this. And we're going to head out. And we're going to go somewhere else. And so they end up going to this restaurant called The Barnacle. I think a good name for a for a uh, restaurant. Yeah. Uh, here we meet Scully, who is uh, someone who has an affinity for pirates. <laughs> it's never really explained or why he's so pirate esque. It's just it's just accepted. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, he's the owner of The Barnacle, and I always like he recommends the catch of the day. Cartes. Si, señor. Cinco scullies, catch of the day. Cinco scullies, catches of the day. Cinco scullies, catches of the day. His little <laughs> like help is helper, Hispanic, his Mexican or Hispanic guy, and it's just frozen fish fingers. I always love that. <laughs> it's, it's, and the way he talks about oh, lightly battered, seared to a golden brown, and all this bullshit, and they're just gonna be microwaved, gross, fish, frozen fish fingers. <laughs> so uh, that night. Someone's trying to break into the rental house. Oh, shit. He grabs the Jack grabs the statue to kind of defend himself. And the people open the door and it's the owners. <laughs> it's the people who actually own the place. Jack fucked up. The address that they're supposed to be at is 415 Beach Road, but they went to 415 Beach Lane. Oops. <laughs> Here's something that confused me, though. The guy, as they when they first get to the house, they're like, okay, they said that the uh, keys should be in the mailbox. And the keys were indeed in the mailbox. Does that mean that the owner of this house keeps his keys in the mailbox? It does. And that is an idiotic move because it didn't. He has no one to blame but himself for this. 
Correct. I mean, if that is a standard thing for rental properties in this area, he should know better than that. And it didn't make it sound like, well, I mean, maybe they it must be a vacation house for them. But you're right. If, if you're not renting the house, why would you keep your keys in the mailbox? Exactly. He's not the smartest dude. But anyway, so uh, Jack and his family have to leave. Uh, but of course, nothing goes right for Jack. So as he's heading out, he spills this big ass bag of dog food. And it gets everywhere. Love that the dog just starts eating it. He's trying to pick it up. <laughs> At the last second, he remembers he needs to go get his Noxima. Also remembers he needs to get his daughter. <laughs> he grabs her. And then on the way out, I love her little line. I wet my bed, Daddy. No, sweetheart, you didn't wet your bed. You wet their bed. No, dear. You wet their bed. And he just kind of walks <laughs> off. All right. Well, they then cut to their actual rental house. And it's a fucking shithole. <laughs> there's uh, con- construction next door. There's a public walkway to the beach immediately beside them. Uh, so it's just, it's not the awesome place that they thought that they had. That day, we see his daughter, Jennifer, flirting with this lifeguard. Jack's obviously not happy about it. <laughs> um, I wouldn't either. I don't really know how old she is, but I- my guess would be like that 15 range. What do you think? Yeah, 15, 16, maybe. Yeah. There's a whole gaggle of lifeguards next door to them um, as we see Jack seeing a line of jock straps, which is kind of strange. <laughs> like, I don't think lifeguards use jock straps still just to <laughs> emphasize their sportiness or something. Yeah. So. All right. They uh, all go out onto the beach and just in good comical fashion, uh, Jack is stepping on everybody. He's carrying everything. Uh, you know, the water from his cooler is dripping, spilling on everybody. He's making a mess. And on the beach, John Candy, who is a larger guy. And I fully understand this. He does not like to go topless. Instead, he is wearing a uh, hockey jersey. He's wearing a Chicago Blackhawks jersey. Specifically, he's wearing number 21, uh, which number 21 is worn by the longtime uh, Blackhawks great Stan Mikita. Mikita, I can't, I can't remember the pronunciation, uh, but he's a Hall of Famer. And he is actually was named by the NHL one of the 100 greatest players of all time. Okay. So, so Is, yeah, jo- is John Candy from Chicago? No, he's from Toronto, I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's right. He is Canadian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe it was a throwback to, to SE, to Second City. It's possible, because he, he's he been in a lot of movies where it takes place in Chicago. Well, that's, granted, yeah, John Hughes I was just stuff. saying, granted, they were John Hughes movies. So that could have been a throw to, to John Hughes. That could have been a throw to, you know, his uh, his comedy roots where Second City got started. Yeah. Maybe, maybe something like that. Okay. So I'll buy it. But Because yeah, it's established that they live in Atlanta. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he could have worn like an Atlanta Flames jersey. That would have been cool. But were the Flames a thing then? No, no, no. They were. <laughs> they already left. They left in the seventies. Oh, okay. But it's, it would have been cool. But I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, later, he's uh, you know playing frisbee with Bobby. He gets his hands stuck under a woman. Also plays volleyball, and he ends up running into the net, and ruining it. Just showing that his vacation is not going very well. He's not doing a good job, or he doesn't feel like he's showing his son a good time, and all that kind of stuff. Until he sees a boat. And it reminds him, you know what? He used to go sailing when he was younger. He wants to take his son sailing. And so uh, the only place in town that has any boats left to rent is the Barnacle. It's a restaurant. It's a boat rental place. It's whatever you need it to be. Uh, so they uh, they head out and do uh, some sailing. And it's just Jack and his son. And uh, they see the incisor. And it's that ship that that douche owns from the restaurant earlier. 
there's some uh, complete confusion as to who has the right of way. Jack seems to think he has the right of way, that the big ship should uh, yield to him, where the incisor says, hey, I'm, I'm on the starboard side, I should have the right of way, which I did kind of look it up, and it does seem like the starboard side, whoever has that path or whatever, is the proper one. If someone's coming at, at you kind of or in your from your port, Mm-hmm. then you're supposed to yield or some shit like that. Something like that. I can't remember. It was confusing. I don't know enough about boating. Yeah. But I would probably assume, even though he's a douche, he probably had the right of way. And when I think of vehicles in general, the bigger vehicles do not <laughs> yield to the smaller vehicles. Yeah. <laughs> they can't just... turn as fast, so. Yeah, exactly. And we saw his, some of his sweet turning ability. He yeah. had actually pretty good control of that. Yeah. So, But Jack ends up they running the boat into uh, the incisor putting a hole in that in the boat and hurting Jack's knee in the process. Jack uh, stays at the rental house with his hurt knee in this big old like bubble cast um, while the rest of the family goes to a movie because it's raining. And here we meet this guy, Don Moore, and his son. Immediately, there's an attraction between Jennifer and the son. I guess just this little summer romance. Mm-hmm. We don't really get much of that either, you know, between them. Yeah, probably another it's, B-line, C-line that was just cut. Yeah, yeah, probably, exactly. There was probably more to it that just got removed. I don't think it's, you know, it's not particularly necessary, but part of me is like, why are we even having this in there mm-hmm. if we don't follow through with it? But, it, I mean, it's fine. It doesn't it doesn't hurt my enjoyment of the movie so far. Right. Meanwhile, uh, Jack gets trapped outside <laughs> with the dog because uh, the, the dog ends up trapping him. And he is uh, kind of fucked, but it's funny trying to get his bone out for him. So, all right, the next day, Jack, again, he needs to stay home because of his knee. And the family, you know, goes to hang out with Dawn on Dawn's boat. Jack meets his neighbor. Um, She's wearing this really tiny bikini. And okay, cool. Mm -hmm. She invites him over for some lemonade. I do like, you know, she walks over in her tiny bikini, drops his iced tea (laughs) everywhere. Which, you know, if he's from Atlanta, that was probably sweet tea. Yeah. (laughs) Should have been. Uh, he was le- he left his door open because um, obviously he was uh, you know distracted distracted yes that's perfect <laughs> way to put it distracted over at uh, going to her place some people come from the beach come over to his place to use the bathroom and get drinks and that would suck to be at a rental property right there like you know if people come in oh can I use your bathroom and that other guy coming I'm dying of thirst it's like fuck off go buy some water fuck off go find a public bath- bathroom that would be a terrible annoying thing if you rented a house yeah. right by the beach like that the neighbor really wants to get jack's opinion on something she undoes her bikini top what do you think of these <laughs> she shows him her boobs and uh now he is just like uh not sure where to look he's trying to be not distracted because uh, she apparently just got some new boobs and she got them done and she's asking everybody for some uh some opinions. I love her little line here. It was either these or a chainsaw for Ed. It was either these or a chainsaw for Ed. <laughs> just <laughs> boom. Her husband comes down, I guess, from a nap or something. And it's just funny because you would think, oh my God, Jack's fucked. He's going to be, he's going to, he's a dead man. Uh, and this Ed guy's going to beat the crap out of him. But it's just like, no, she's obviously done this before. This is just nothing. He's just like, come on, man. Just tell her, tell her they're great. Give him a feel. And. <laughs> He kind of has to quickly, like, tap them and, and be like, yep, yep, they're perfect. Feel yeah. great. That's kind of funny. All right. Uh, Jack goes back to finds a shit ton of people at his uh, rental house. I do like his little over-the-top anger. He takes his crutch and just brushes everything off of, like, the countertop and yells at everyone super pissed, um, including the guy at the in the bedroom that is hanging out with his dog, uh, and he is just going to beat the shit out of him and gets him out. I don't know. I like his anger here. He does a good job. Get off! 
Get out of the phone! Uh, turn it back and nuts Get out of the phone! Get out! John Candy does good humor um, when he goes over the top angry with stuff. And I think we saw some of that similar with Uncle Buck. Mm-hmm. When he needs to be like intimidating funny, he does a good job at that. So yeah. Jack heads over to the barnacle because he needs a fucking drink. <laughs> he needs to get drunk. So we cut to him and Scully having a whole drunken debate about things. They're playing darts and are terrible at it. And they eventually just kind of bond and they go out sailing. Uh, the next day, he goes back for more sailing. He's really trying to learn some more. Still needs to learn a good bit because he knocks Scully in the head with his jive and jive ho a little too early. But he's just continuing to hang out, bond with him um, while his family is going on doing other stuff. And he's working. You see kind of little progression as he's working his way up to bigger and bigger boats. At the rental, he gets a call from the landlord and he has to straighten out the rents. And so, okay, it's kind of confusing. So what we do find out, he's not going to like a office to meet this guy. He is going to a wake. The person who owns the rental property had just died. And now that douche Al Pellet just bought the property. Well, in fact, he buys it right then and there, <laughs> signing it on the casket of the guy who used to own it and who's dead. Uh, who Pellet tears up his check and basically kicks him out immediately. So, of course, you know, the family's upset. They don't want to go. They're enjoying their vacation. Jack goes to Scully's. He's trying to think of a, uh, to uh, the barnacle, you know, trying to think of a plan. Then he looks at the barnacle itself. It's a boat, man. It's a big boat. And he's got a fucking, it's a big boat. It's a big boat. <laughs> and he's got himself a plan. He rushes over to Al Pellet and challenges him. He is going to take that regatta cup from Al Pellet. And uh, he's got a bet on the last two weeks of the vacation. Basically, he'll pay him the 2000 and still leave if Al Pellet wins. Or he gets to keep the money himself and get to stay for another two weeks if they win. Uh, which is very ballsy. Mm-hmm. He is very confident. You know, someone who has owned this his own boat, this uh, incisor that has won multiple years, and guy who's been sailing for at least a decade, I'm sure more than that. But you know what? One John Candy who used to go out sailing at a camp every now and then, <laughs> he's just as good, right? I like that at no point we ever see John Candy discuss this with Scully. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of right. just happens. Yeah, he just he just kind of takes off and does it, and it's, it's Scully's restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> so, although but, we, we do see a, a scene where it, is, it establishes that Scully does not like this guy either. True. So I'm, I'm sure he would be uh, up for you know trying to screw him over. Yeah. The one weird part of this scene, um, when Jack finishes challenging Al, he tries to look cool by grabbing a thing of his popcorn <laughs> and eating it on the way out, and it gets stuck in the back of his throat, and they have to do like this... <laughs> sound that's <laughs> i always thought that that was kind of strange but yeah i get i, I get it yeah so all right so yes the the boat is uh, gonna be the barnacle he tells the family about his plan i love the son's line here dad you're gonna sell a fish restaurant <laughs> <laughs> yeah he is so we then meet Angus, who's a friend of Scully's, uh, and you know he's going to help them all out to, to work on the barnacle. He's going to go try and find a sail. That's the whole plan right now. Let's get this barnacle ready. Um, Jack eventually kind of gets his neighbor because he's got power tools. You know, he, he did give up a power tool for those boobs, but it was probably a good call. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think another little funny scene here where the wife 
is talking with Scully, and then you just see Scully leaving uh, this room, and you know exactly what happened. And he's like, they're perfect. They're perfect. So the next day, while working on the boat, the whole family comes out to help. We still see Angus having issues finding the sail, but we get a wonderful little montage of the whole family together cleaning up the boat, and I think a wonderful song, Turning Around by Jimmy Buffett. question that's my favorite jimmy buffett song i've ever heard oh really yeah i'm not a big like margarita fan or cheeseburger in paradise guy like i like that it's just a i mean one it's nostalgic for me because of the film right so it is very 80s there's a lot of synth and stuff like that it's yeah. a, it is a good song i spent uh, a lot of years playing jimmy buffett songs in a steel drum band uh, so makes, so, makes so there are other there are other jimmy buffett songs that i tend to like better but uh, at first i was listening to it and i was like God, that sounds like Jimmy Buffett. And I was like, that has to be Jimmy Buffett. It just sounded yeah. weird because it was very 80s and sort of yes. synthy, and that that felt weird knowing his other bodies of work. Yeah, the style is not Jimmy Buffett's style, typical style. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't feel like island music, and maybe that's why I like it because I just don't care for his, his typical style. Um, it sounded like a, yeah, regular 80s pop song, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, like a happy-go-lucky pop song, so... All right, uh, at the end, Jack invites the whole family to crew the barnacle with him. So, yay, they're all excited about that, uh, but they still need to find the sail. It's the night before the regatta. Still no sail. Damn it. The next day, Angus gets there with a sail. Huzzah! (laughs) (laughs) They're able to get out there. The regatta starts, and they barely make it in time. And as it's going, the barnacle is not so speedy. They are in last place, yep. and they kind of keep keep losing ground. Even when they release that big sail, they're firmly in last place. It's just not looking good, and they're not closing. Mm-hmm. So, uh-oh. Then, that Hispanic guy, the Scully's catch us of the day, mm-hmm. uh, dude, he comes up from kind of beneath the boat, and he's eating one of those fish fingers. Scully's like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, I'm eating, you know, the, the fish fingers from the freezer. He's like, I told you to remove the freezer. And he's like, what? No, you told me. So his his bad Spanish meant that the guy did not remove all that weight. And so now Scully orders everything out of the boat. Didn't I tell you, removar all the food and the freezer? Oh, I think you say to me, don't move the food and the freezer. <laughs> Thank God for my bad Spanish. Everything out. They toss the freezers and the frozen food. His entire restaurant's <laughs> worth of food is ruined so he can help this one guy who is only going to be there for four weeks. Yes, and he's polluting the ocean at the same time True. by dumping all of this stuff into the water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not very humanitarian or environmentalist no. of him. But the music swells. They're picking up speed and they're closing. They're nearing the incisor. It's getting really close, but they can't seem to catch the boat. Then Jack sees a plane 
in a funnel gunnel. He's seen it a hundred times at the airport. <laughs> it's <laughs> some w- weird thing. Uh, and so he knew that what the wind was doing because of his expertise in his job. And so they head and they catch the wind and they keep going faster, but they still need more sail. So Jack says, Scully, take the wheel. We cut to Al Pellet, who's pissed off. Like, why, why am I not going faster? I should, you know, get there. Cut back to Jack. He's at the wheel and his pants are up at the sail to get some little extra sail and so he could speed past them just enough and they win. He even gives Al a little wave while you see him in his boxer shorts and haha, we just passed you. And they won. It's wonderful. Wow, that's very quick going through, but like I don't know. I mean, there's not like a shit ton of... I still broke this down pretty much scene by scene. <laughs> it was a very fast breakdown, but it's, I mean, it's only like a 90 minute movie. Yeah. Uh, 87 minutes even. So it's it's a short movie, but and we get the um, the end credits. So the movie finishes with them winning, and the song "Turning Around" plays one more time, and we get one of the things we've talked about. I mean, this is actually not exactly the same, but the entire film we've been seeing the wife taking pictures of stuff, and so now we get like a little montage of her placing the pictures or somebody placing the pictures that she was taken taking while the credits roll on the side of that. And you just get all these little extra, you know, little shots in there. And I think that's wonderful. I fucking love that. It kept mm-hmm. me entertained and engaged through the entire credits, yeah. which I think is great. That's the end of the movie. The uh, This movie only, only got about not quite $25 million at the box office, which does sound kind of like a flop. I'm sure I don't see the budget right now, um, but I imagine it was less than $10 million. Yeah, I'm sure the vast majority of the budget went into uh, the regatta. Yeah, yes, I would bet. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of flew through it, but, uh, well, yes, yeah, so, summer rental. Like, you know, when did when did you first, I should have done this earlier, when did you first get to summer rental? What do you remember about it when you were younger? I don't remember when I first saw it. It just, it, it was something that I have definitely seen. Um, I always, t- I always kind of forget about this movie. And I keep thinking, oh, it's it's not one I remember all that much. And then when I watched it, I'm like, oh, I totally remember all of this. I remember the the stuff about him being an air traffic controller and the thing with the fly. Um, I remembered uh, the thing about the they're oh they're in the wrong house and then the regatta and all this stuff and all like it all came flooding back to me as I was watching it. I'm like, I definitely remember watching it. I don't remember where, how. It was probably at home somewhere, on TV, on video cassette. But um, also the things with the the girl in her bikini top, I definitely remember that. <laughs> that yeah, that left a burned an image in your head. And in fact, so much so that when I told my wife that I had to watch it, I'm like, we can't let the kids watch it because I'm pretty sure there's nudity in it. There is no nudity. It's a PG movie. It's a PG movie. It's implied. But and then I was like, oh, I totally remember this. I didn't watch it with my kids. I don't think they would have gotten anything out of it. Okay, it was definitely more a not adult humor, but you know, adult style humor. I don't think they would have gotten too much out of it. So I didn't watch with them. But there were a lot of things we didn't talk about. The one really bad uh, ADR scene that I think of when they're sailing and. You hear the girl say something like, "Can I play under the in the boat with whatever the guy's name was?" The older yeah. Asian guy who I I still don't really know what his name was. I swear, Yorku. She, Yorku. Can I play with Yorku? Mommy, can I play in the basement with Yorku? It is clearly a guy doing her voice. So 
what I think what was happening is they were pretending to do like um you know like 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 a puppet or what's the what's the See, uh, like ventriloquism? Ventriloquism See, like it was Yorku who was actually talking. That's what I that's what I thought when I was a kid. But uh, uh-huh. when I watched it again, he I really don't think that that was the case because there was nothing else established that that would have been happening. I think it was just they needed to I think what happened was her line was something else and they just decided Okay, we need to get her out of the scene, so they're going to change the line to "Can I play with Yorku?" And they didn't have anyone to do it, so someone just said, "Well, I'll just pitch my voice up because it I sounded bad." I really don't think it was Yorku because Yorku did not speak English well enough to have done that well, voice. Yeah, it, it it sounds like his voice to me. I don't want to believe the other thing, or else that would just be really bad. I, I'm going to have to stick to believing that it was Yorku okay. pretending to do ventri- ventriloquism as a joke or something. There was none of it established. It didn't make any sense. They should have just gone, been down under the boat. You know, they were being silly, and that was fine, but that other part was just so confusing. Yeah, it was <laughs> unnecessary. We didn't need for her. We didn't, we didn't need to see her asking her mom's permission to go under yeah. the boat. I mean, yeah. if I yeah, had a true. little kid with me on a on a race... That's exactly where that little kid would go. Yes. You stay and down there. Did you notice um, not a single one of them wore life jackets the entire <laughs> time? And then you're on a sailing boat, and it's kind of like rocking, and they have to move around. Like, none of the boats people wore life jackets, and that just felt that felt a little dangerous. Well, I mean, it was very um, – I mean, it was 1985. that It was probably not yeah. required. In 1985, child seats were still not required. Yeah, fair. So – I'm, they're definitely like, oh, they'll just float. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, they'll float too, huh? Uh, <laughs> you'll float. Um, for me, Summer Rental, I remember, and I feel like I had a distinct memory that we probably either recorded this off of like an HBO weekend or something, because I think we had a um, VHS recording of this. That sounds about right. Yeah, and, and I feel like it was something at our dad's place and something that we watched over there. You know, I always had, like, kind of some nostalgic value. This is one of the, like, the way you put it. Like, it's a movie that I feel gets overshadowed. Even in uh, John Candy's repertoire, people will always throw up to Uncle Buck or Cool Runnings. But this is a good movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a cute movie that gets overshadowed. Um, and I really liked it as a kid. And so it's one that uh, I'm very, very nostalgic for. So, yeah, I'll I'll dive a little bit into mine. And then you sure. can kind of come back with your final thoughts. Rewatching it now. God damn, this movie is still cute. It's still fun, and it's just a good family comedy. I'm extremely nostalgic for it, as I said. we I feel like I watched it a lot, multiple times, like many multiple times when I was younger. It's lighthearted. You get the whole underdog wins the, wins the, the match at the end. That's fun. The douche gets his loss. There was definitely some drops in the storylines as the John Larroquette character. Mm-hmm. What happened to that? A bunch of other stuff that was just kind of felt like it was, you know, or just other little things that was just like, okay, this was unnecessary or, you know, I don't know. Just It just didn't make much sense. But it's just a lighthearted romp, and I was I was very pleased. You know, I, I could, I could kind of click off my, you know, knee, everything needs to always wrap up perfectly to enjoy myself in this movie. And so, yeah, I was pleased rewatching Summer Rental. And if anybody was nostalgic for this as a kid... I say it holds up. I think it's worth a rewatch. If you had all enjoyed it when you were younger, I think you would enjoy it when you're older, too. Yeah, I went into it thinking that it was going to be slow and that 
you know, it wasn't going to be as funny as I remembered. And I also was very pleasantly surprised how much I enjoyed it. Um, it does move pretty quick, actually. There's a, there's a little spot kind of in the middle when, when Jack's got his leg brace that is a little slow as they're trying to, you know, kind of do the funny stuff with him. But other than that, it was really fun to rewatch. I wish I, I wish I had more detailed things to say other than it was it was just fun. It was fun again to, to watch yeah. and it's definitely worth going back to see. And you know what? And for- Despite what I thought, I'm sure is really good. You know, if you can, if if your kids can handle the implied nudity, it'd be a great, you know, family film. Yeah. I mean, and we did. We watched it probably around like that yeah. 10, 12 age. But it was the 80s, yeah. so. <laughs> John, the, I, I can guarantee you, your kids have much easier access to new, real nudity now than we did back then. Yes, I, I'm fully aware of what <laughs> access they have. <laughs> But still, like, you know, what you would see in movies, it, it was a little different then than it is now, sure. especially for a PG movie. Um, yeah, go check out Summer Rental. All right, now we are talking Babe Watch. I mean, Bay Watch. Uh, this show was from 1989, and it ended in 2001. It had 11 seasons, 242 episodes. Man, I didn't realize it ran that long either. Yeah, uh, that is, I mean, that's, it was kind of, not really a phenomenon, but it was popular. Mm-hmm. Um, not at first, because the show was actually canceled by NBC, on its first after its first season, but they went to syndication after that, and it later became the most watched TV show in the world. In its peak, it was broadcast in 142 different countries. Wow! Yeah, um, and I think it is. It's the kind of show that you don't really need to understand what they're saying to get enjoyment out of it. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, yes, and the last two seasons of the show, they actually changed the setting. They went from the Santa Monica kind of California beach area that they was originally set, and the last two seasons were in Hawaii, and it was called Baywatch Hawaii. Wasn't the whole thing filmed in Hawaii, though? Uh, no, 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 just those last two. It was okay. it was filmed in Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, so the cast, and this is a large rotating ensemble cast. Yeah, it was. Really the only big big mainstay is Mitch Buchanan who was David Hasselhoff. Yeah. Um, and David Hasselhoff most famously is a German singer. And I'm just making sure I'm cutting in one of his songs. <laughs> do, do, do. <laughs> exactly. But this, I mean, this is probably why he became so famous over there. Or part of it. Well, that Knight Rider. Yeah. Uh, Hobie uh, was his son, played by Jeremy Jackson, who I think was in the second most amount of episodes. This was really the only recognizable thing I saw he was in. Michael Numi Newman was played by Michael Newman. Uh, really, this is the only thing that he's been in that I recognized. Um, he would recognize, he was the bald guy with the stash. Yeah. He had a kind of, yep. He was actually the only real lifeguard out of any of the cast. Okay. And I feel like you can kind of tell, like when he (laughs) does his stuff, 
He looked legit, yeah. and he was always one that I felt added credibility to the show. Not like not like the show was all about the credibility, right. but uh, C.J. Parker was played by Pamela Anderson, and we know her from uh, Home Improvement. I uh, love her little cameo in the movie Borat. It's this, Adam. We know her from this. We know her from this in Playboy. Yes. Like her, her big fake boobs in Playboy, yes. I think, is big. And that, yes, and that one random boat video. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, good old boat video. <laughs> I, I know. Uh, and um, Garner Ellerby uh, was like the uh, the cop, kind of like the uh, detective-y kind mm-hmm. of guy. Um, he was played by Gregory Allen Williams. He was also in the spinoff show Baywatch Nights, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. He was also in Remember the Titans and a lot of small parts in different stuff. And then Stephanie, uh, was who was a love interest for Mitch for a good while on the show was played by Alexandra Paul. Uh, she was in the Stephen King based movie, uh, Christine mm. back in the day. Okay. Uh, she was in the dragnet film and she was also in Sharknado four, uh, <laughs> which <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure doing like a cameo role because of her Baywatch stuff. Yeah. This show was, we already mentioned Pamela Anderson. This show was known for its stable of attractive females. So people like Yasmin Bleeth, Gina Lee Nolan, Kelly Packard, Brooke Burns, Erica uh, Alenik, Tracy Bingham, Donna DeErico, and Carmen Electra all had parts at different times. Yeah. Like they they really did were known for just kind of couple seasons. Here's, uh, here's the couple of the resident hotties and then switch on to the next couple of resident hotties. Did you know, I don't know if you noticed it, John, in uh, Baywatch Hawaii, two seasons of that, there was a young Jason Momoa. He was on 44 episodes of Baywatch. I did not know that. He played one of the younger lifeguards on the show. Uh, So yeah, it's good to see him and his credit. That kind of surprised me. Okay. We mentioned this before. I'm definitely I'm definitely attached this show to memories of dad watching it mm-hmm. and then we're we're kind of you know cuz there really there was sort of the only like one TV and we watched it because dad watched it. Right. So, what about you? Is that that's that's how you were introduced to the show as yeah, well? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's kind of funny when you're younger and you don't really know like, you know, okay, what what's dad seeing in this show? And then you get a little bit older like, "Oh, I know why dad watched that show." <laughs> I don't think he cared about the story points. Um, <laughs> he, was, he was enjoying the uh, eye candy. swimsuits. Yeah, the eye candy. There is plenty of eye candy. And what I want to talk about with some of the best parts of that eye candy is that opening sequence. Yeah. It's it's good. It's a damn good opening sequence. Like that song, which actually ranked in my number two '80s theme songs yeah. of all time. Well, when when you take away cartoons and you take away sitcoms, yeah. and I had to give it that because the show started in '89. Dude, it's catchy, and the way they have the, the editing is fast paced, and it's just like TNA, TNA action, <laughs> TNA slow mo running, TNA, and it's just like I could watch that over and over again. <laughs> Muscles and boobs. That was pretty much the whole thing. 
muscles and boobs. And it probably made an impact in my life because I love muscles and I love <laughs> boobs. And, you know, I love like bodybuilding and, you know, looking at that kind of stuff as well. But I also, I love me some female figures and boobs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Baywatch, very impactful in my life. But uh, <laughs> so, yeah, and that, that song is so much fun. But, yeah, it, it is a action-packed opening. The show itself is not so action-packed. Um, I, I watched two episodes. What about you? Uh, I made it through one. Okay. Did you watch the first one? Did you go to IMDb and pick the quote-unquote best one? Um, I So I ended up watching, I think I went and looked for like the best one. I ended up watching one out of the first season. So I didn't even watch one with uh, Pamela Anderson in it because she didn't show yeah. up to like season three or four, I think. Was it the shark one? No, it was. It had, okay. to, it had to do with like a um, water water park, something about a water park. Um, okay. But- uh, I wanted to watch it because I forgot that in the fir- at least in the first season she might have done a few more. Um, sort of the the main blonde girl was uh, a girl named Erica Eleniak, uh, yeah. who we best know as Jordan Tate in the movie Under Siege, which is definitely yes. a film that we're going to have to get to eventually. Yeah, she was in the first couple seasons of Baywatch. Yeah, and yeah, she is just one of those kind of bombshell large chested woman mm-hmm. um, that certain guys absolutely adored from Under Siege. Um, you know, what, before we get to it, if you guys want to hear an older gentleman creep out about it, check out Ken's, uh, <laughs> you call those tactics, where his dad, he's had his dad on, and his dad was very fixated on that one scene over and over again. Very funny. <laughs> I, I enjoy that episode uh, for, of their podcast. So. so I got through, yeah, the two episodes. That I got through one that was Something about like there's this whole shark catching thing also from season one. Mm -hmm. And then so that was the top ranked episode on IMDb. And then the second ranked episode was one where it said Hulk Hogan and Macho is that CJ Parker saves the life of Hulk Hogan. And uh, they have to do this. There's this all this um, wrestling tie in. So I watched that one. That was the why wouldn't you watch that? Why wouldn't I watch it? It's the second ranked highest ranked episode on IMDb. And it's terrible. It's god awful. It's actually I kind of realized that WCW did some whole promotion with Baywatch, obviously, and they let them use their footage because they they used to have a pay per view called Bash at the Beach, mm. um, and so they used that footage for this thing and had Hulk Hogan and Macho Man and Big Van Vader uh, and Ric Flair all kind of like in the episodes. Like it was it was so cheesy and so bad. I what season was that in? Season six. Okay. It's nice. It's so, it's so bad. Um, it's a soap opera on a beach. Yeah. That's what the show is. And and when I say that, you know, you'll get some action every now and then when they have to run out and get that sweet slow-mo of them jumping into the water and running. But the vast majority is just about their kind of like personal relationships a lot of the times with each other. It's a very incestuous work environment. <laughs> and then just kind of the different things that happen on the job and whatnot, but it was just, it, the actual pacing of the show itself felt very slow and very soap opera-y to me. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it, that's exactly what it was. It was, a, yeah. it was just a soap opera on the beach. They did have a, after, so the show ended in 2001, but in 2003, Fox um, made a uh, made-for-TV kind of reunion movie. It was called Hawaiian Wedding, where CJ and, I think I think her love interest was this guy Cody. Uh, they end up getting married at the end of it, but like there's, I actually read like a little bit of the synopsis and it sounded fucking awful, <laughs> uh, so I did not want to watch that at all. 
because one of the characters like died off and then Mitch was dating somebody who looked exactly like her in this movie. It was just like a weird plot point to try and get the actress back for the reunion. I don't know. Even even Mitch, I think, was like seemingly died off at the end of one of the the, the end of the season or one of the seasons. But mm. I don't know. It's it's not a good show. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so then it was even probably a worse show is the spin-off series that they had called Baywatch Nights. So it aired from 95 to 97 and it was a detective agency. So it was Mitch and uh, Garner Ellerby. Basically they started a detective agency and then the ratings weren't that great. So in season 2, shit got weird. <laughs> they started they started investigating paranormal stuff because they were trying to like get some of that sweet X-Files yeah crossover. And that didn't work. And so they got canceled after the second season. Uh, yeah, so terrible stuff. And then... That sounds like David Hasselhoff being like, I want to play a detective. All right, we'll do a little <laughs> spinoff show for you. How about that? Okay. Yeah, just to, just to appease him. Yep. Uh, so, And then, of course, in 2017, there was kind of a reboot movie that starred The Rock and Zac Efron, Alexandra Daddario, um, other people. I didn't watch it. Did you watch that movie at all? <laughs> no. No, it looked terrible. Yeah. It just had no interest. So, yeah, that's that's the gist of Baywatch. Is there anything else that you kind of specifically remember or feel the need to talk about before we kind of go into our final thoughts? Tits, Adam. That's all I remember about this show is tits. <laughs> so many tits. Like, it is just like there was like a bra size requirement for most of the girls, not all of them. They just really emphasized, hey, you're going to be on the beach and we're going to crank on the AC uh, to make sure that your nips are hard. Um, and if if you're going to be running, we want to make sure that it seems like you're almost going to spill out of your uniform, but but just barely not. And it's gratuitous might be the word. It's fairly gratuitous, but it's it's hot. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. There's attractive ladies. <laughs> And there's attractive males for the ladies out there, too. Uh, yeah, there's something for everybody. So, or for, yeah, whatever you're into, you got you get something when you're watching Baywatch. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you go first since I went first on Summer Rental. Yeah, there's not much to say. I, I didn't get much out of the story. Um, I just why I didn't bother to watch uh, a second episode. I knew the acting was not going to get any better in, in any later seasons. Um, everything is there just for... It's a way to make a soap opera where they can have more nakedish people, I guess. I have yeah. have them in, you know, swimsuits all the time. So, it was what it was. It was kind of it was a cultural phenomenon for for the time and, you know, um, I'm sure young teenage John appreciated that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, hell, even adult Adam appreciates <laughs> parts of it. Exactly. But uh, as far as quality, not so much. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you. I actually was going into this hoping that it was going to be pretty decent, thinking like, okay, it lasted this long. There's got to be some fun plot points about it and stuff like this. And it just was not the case. It's not a good show. Um, it's just like that soap opera-y feel where the acting is super cheesy. The plots are terrible and just they don't seem realistic. The only appeal for the show is the sex appeal. Yeah. Like that's it. Um, but yeah, you at least get both men and women uh, sex appeal. But I have no interest in rewatching this show besides, I would say, some of like the action-y montages and that opening sequence. Fuck, I just just go on, rewatch the opening sequence on YouTube, and I think you will be better off. The 
This episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Baywatch Barbie looks out to see a dolphin's in trouble. I'll set her free. She dives right oh, Barbie. in. Then Baywatch yeah. Barbie rescues him. Dolphin's so happy to be <laughs> on the rocks. He's tall. You're a great lifeguard. Now they're always together, best friends forever. I love you, too. Baywatch Barbie doll and her dolphin do not move by themselves, but you can make the dolphin talk. Friend dolls not included. All right, and now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As I mentioned at the top, we're going to recast Summer Rental using actors of today. Uh, this is a movie that could probably be, probably be remade. Not that it necessarily didn't doesn't need to, but this wasn't like a huge thing like you know, like a Back to the Future or something like that. So I could definitely Absolutely. see them trying this. Yeah, it, it, it was um, it has a nostalgic value for a certain group of people, but there's not mass appeal with summer rental. Mm-hmm. So I think they could basically do the same premise again and most people wouldn't even know. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so we are going to do the characters of Jack, Sandy, Scully, Don Moore, Vicky, Ed, Al and Angus. Just because I thought it would be funny. Uh, so we will go ahead and start with Angus because why not? They did not. They definitely did not use a Scottish actor uh, for this. It was clearly <laughs> in a wig, <laughs> yeah. and uh, with a really bad. Um, I did think it was funny. I didn't mention this before. I did think it was funny that every time Scully talked to him, he called him a dumb Swede instead yes. of. And at one point, he's like, "I'm not a dumb Swede. I'm a dumb Scot." Um, it was just a way over the top characterization, but still kind of funny. I'll go ahead and jump in with mine. I wanted a Scotsman. For this, mm-hmm. there were there are different ways to go. There's a lot of really good Scottish actors out there. The guy I went with doesn't it didn't he does not look like Angus looked. Every time I see Angus, I think of I think the other character's name was Angus from Monkey Island. Oh yes, he does. He was very similar look to that guy. Yeah. So I just went with the Scottish actor who I liked, who I knew could be a little silly and over the top. Um, and he did kind of play an over-the-top Scott in the movie Wonder Woman. I went with Ewan Bremner. Oh, yes. Okay, I had to take a look at a picture from Wonder Woman. Yes, I remember this guy now. Uh, yeah. I You can't – I agree. I You got to go with someone kind of different than that Angus guy. He de- he's in, been in train spotting. Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, quite a bit of stuff. I totally agree that I think I see him doing kind of that uh, – over the toppy kind of ridiculous accent Scott mm-hmm. kind of thing. Well, he kind of so, yeah. did it in Wonder Woman, so. But yeah, well, then then all for it. Okay. All right, well, who did you go with? I also made sure to pick an actual Scotsman. <laughs> um, this guy has not done a lot of comedy that I've seen. Now, he did some kind of comedy stuff in, uh, well, he wasn't like super comedic in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, but there's always like comedic elements to that movie. This guy usually plays more of a hardened guy, um, but I think if he amps up his accent a little bit more, he'll work well. He's got a very unique face uh, to an extent because he's got some scars on his face that kind of pull him out. He was in Sons of Anarchy. He was in Gladiator. He was in Braveheart. You might recognize him. I already, I already know who are you going with. I think he would be funny and be good, you know, uh, if he amped up his kind of silly accent out with Tommy Flanagan. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he's a good. You know, if I remember correctly, I could be wrong on this. I believe Mel Gibson actually discovered him in a bar when he was getting ready, when he was doing like location shooting for, oh. uh, or location scouting for for Braveheart, and just met the guy like, and he already had the scar, 
yeah, and yeah, stuff. He's, and he's, he's like, he's got that unique scars yeah. on his face. And I, I think if I remember correctly, he just like decided, hey, you need to be in the film, and that's how he got started as an actor. I mean, I mean, he looks. I could be wrong, but solid. or at least I, I wouldn't doubt. He was very young in Braveheart. Yeah. I mean, you just you see him, and he looks like a young dude. Yeah. So, but yeah. that's a that's a good choice as well. Cool. Um, all right. Well, let's go to let's skip up to Ed, uh, the okay. man with the power tools. Uh, this was a funny enough role and recurring enough that I felt like it'd be good to recast. So, who did yeah. you go with? So I'll tell you. I'll tell you who I first thought of who might be kind of funny. And then I thought he might be too old, and then I went even older. Um, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> so the first person that came to my head is, was Tim Allen because he had the power tools, and I thought, like, oh, that'd be a fun little toss to Tim Allen. But instead, I thought this guy would actually be pretty funny, and I could see him with like a wife who, uh, you know, who has got a, a new boob job, mm-hmm. and I think that would just work well. I went with uh, Danny Trejo as my Ed. Okay, I, he'd be. I think he could play like the side neighbor character. That, you know who 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 looked intimidating, yeah. and you're scared the shit of him, and then he's just a nice guy. <laughs> that that is definitely a different route to yeah. take, but I'm I I'm all for it. I love okay, Danny cool. Trejo, and, and something like that where he plays like a neighbor where you think he's going to be intimidating, and he turns out to be a nice guy is a yeah. totally good thing. Yep. Um, I did not go that route. Um, I went more of the comedic route. Um, even mm-hmm. though this is kind of a the character is just kind of straight, it's not necessarily comedic. But for some reason, this guy was the first one who popped into my head, and I was like, he's just as good as anyone else. You know, it's not necessarily a huge role. Uh, I went with Steven Root. Yeah. Yeah, he could do that. <laughs> of course he could do that. I mean, it, he's, he's great with any side character. Yeah, I mean, he, it was kind of funny. He had, like, the the wife in Dodgeball. Oh, yes. Mail-in, I'm pretty sure it was in, insinuated that it was a mail-order bride. Um, uh-huh. So I thought it'd be funny just to do it that way. Yeah, I like that. You know what? Absolutely. Absolutely all for that. Okay. Uh, well, then let's go ahead and talk Vicky. Vicky with the new boobs. Vicky with the new boobs. So mine married Danny Trejo, who is like 80, I think mm-hmm. now. Maybe he's like 70s, the late 70s. Um, so I didn't want to go with like a 25-year-old, which is kind of what... Well, I don't know if this Vicky seemed 25-year-old. Maybe she seemed like... No, she definitely 30, seemed 35. she seemed a little older, like yeah, yeah, like in her 30s at least. Yeah, okay. Uh, so this actress is, I mean, easily in her 40s, I'm sure. Um, she's known for having very voluptuous curves, uh, and I think she would work well, you know, alongside Danny Trejo, and she would still have like that voluptuous quality to her. I went with Sofia Vergara as my Vicky. Oh, that, I mean, that's a good call. Yeah, she's funny. She, She's mm-hmm. yeah, she's she's you know, she, her, they they she had a commercial that I think they they yanked pretty quickly, but she had a commercial where she's like, real women don't have straight lines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's very curvy, and you could see you know maybe she got a boob job or maybe she just wanted to get her curves checked out or something. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that works. Um. I did not cast such an A-list actor for this, I, and I think that's fine too. <laughs> So in my head, it was going to go one of two ways. Either Vicky was going to be older and trying to kind of rejuvenate herself by getting this boob job, or Mm. she was a lot younger, kind of a gold digger. And so I was like, I could go two ways. I was like, either way, I'm probably going to cast an adult actress to do this because they have to kind of play like a bimbo. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Oh, oh, you mean like like an adult, like a a triple X actress? Yes. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I actually kind of... 
briefly thought the same thing. I'm still I'm not intending for there to be nudity, but I, yeah. but having like an adult actress there, I think kind of would. I don't. It's weird to say add credibility to the scene. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, sure. So I had two in mind of different, complete different ages, and I ended up going with the older one because I thought it'd be able to be funny. And anyone my age or close to it is going to know her name. I went with Jenna Jameson. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, she was. What at one point I thought she was like the most popular, um, or she was like the biggest name. She was for a while. Yeah, I I kind of weirdly agree that that does add credibility to the role of definitely getting fake knockers and that kind of stuff. And right. I'm pretty sure Janet Jameson has some big old fake knockers. Yep. Well, I think because here's the thing. Vicky in the movie, I am positive, did not actually have a boob job. Okay. Because oh. what you do see of her in the bikini, they look fair. They look real. I mean, they look natural. Yeah. So I, I think you kind of have to kind of go over the top a little bit. Okay. So this is definitely going to be a PG-13 at best. Okay. Version. Fair enough. No, no nudity implied. Um, but yeah, so I just decided to go for the older one. Okay. Uh, all right, let's go to Don Moore. I'll jump in with mine. Don Moore had kind of a small role, so it really could be anyone. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to go with an older actor, someone who's going to be in his 40s, maybe his 50s, a little distinguished. And I was watching something else with this guy in it, and I was like, you know what? He'd make a just decent, like, Don Moore guy who you just meet at the movies. He's a nice guy. Uh, I went with Clark Gregg. Oh, he does seem like just a nice, genuine dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Phil Coulson, for people who don't know that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm cool with that. He does seem like, you know, he could be like, yeah, just a nice guy that, you know, wants to help out the family or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, He's got a cool boat. Bring him over. We'll have some fun. Your yep. daughter can ma- date my son, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Who did you go with? In my movie, I wanted to kind of bring back the idea of there possibly being sexual tension, which I feel was probably the original intent for that character. And so I brought a character, again, slightly older, probably in like that, you know, late 40s look, some like kind of almost Silver Foxy style. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he would kind of add some of that tension that Jack might get jealous of him. Uh, and so I went with a guy who's done kind of similar role in Grey's Anatomy, Grey's Anatomy when he played uh, McSteamy. I went with Eric Dane. Okay. Oh, yeah, I totally could see that. Yeah. I could totally see that. Uh, all right. Let's move up to Al Pellet, our bad guy for this film. Adam, who did you go with? Yeah, my Al Pellet. I wanted somebody who I feel could kind of be over-the-top douche as needed. I mean, that's definitely what we got in the original film. This guy can do comedy really well, uh, so I'm excited to see what he could do in this position. He's not always the villain, Maybe mostly, maybe rarely I see him as the villain, but I think he would fit really well. We both really love him, and I think he would, uh, he'd knock this out of the park. I went with John C. McGinley as my Al Pellet. Okay. I think I looked at yeah. him. So, yeah, Dr. Cox for most people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. I mean, I, I love John C. McGinley, so he can do all kinds of stuff. I'd be, I'm totally fine with that. Okay. Cool. Um, I went with someone who, uh, is, but can be by some considered one of the greatest villains of the nineties, or at least he was in one movie in the nineties. Um, if not villain, he was definitely an asshole. We've already talked about a film with him in it. Um, he's known for a few other things, but I went with Billy Zane. Oh, I think that's a great call. 
Yeah, that's a great call. That fits really well. I mean, with his Titanic role, just that douchey vibe to him. Yeah, he's a little bit um, older I, now. Actually, he's like 20 yeah. years older from that now. So he could be <laughs> yeah. that sort of older guy who's got the boat, he's yeah. got the money. Yep. He's funny enough. I mean, he's he's funny enough. I you know, he he had his little cameo role in Zoolander. He's a good enough actor. He could do some True. you know, some something more comedic. So, I thought he I thought he would fit okay as our sort of resident villain. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I think that's a good one. Uh, all right, Scully. Scully's catches <laughs> of the day. Scully's as catches of the day. Um, I had a little bit of trouble thinking about this. I thought about, I mean, for some reason, immediately my head went to dodgeball, and I was like, oh, I could have Alan Tudyk. Oh, yeah, well, as a pirate, yes. <laughs> but uh, I didn't go that route. I wanted somebody with a little bit gruffer. Uh, of a look and so there were you know there's there's nobody quite like rip torn rip torn's got a un you know a unique voice you can pick rick torn's voice out of anything yep. so it was it was hard to do that but i went with somebody who um i think could at least bring sort of the the gruffness of scully to it and can still be funny i went with david harbour okay yeah from uh, stranger things he was in the recent hellboy movie mm-hmm He's going to be uh, yeah. in uh, Black, Wid- Black Widow, which will be out by the time this episode comes out. Yes, and that's that's going to be the movie that brings me back to the theater. It, same, same. Yeah, I, I want to see it that bad, so I'm cool with that. Okay, well then who did you go with for Scully? I went with somebody who I think has kind of a gruff demeanor. He doesn't have the gruff voice mm-hmm. necessarily that Nip Riptorn does. He has a pirate costume, or at least he did. <laughs> In uh, the show that he was on, because he wore it every Halloween episode, um, he's a funny guy, and I think he would uh, do well as a Scully. I went with Nick Offerman. Oh, well, he's also played a pirate in uh, the Lego movie. That's so, right. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's also a great call. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, cool. I, I like David Harbour, but I think I'd really like to see Nick Offerman uh, in this role. Yeah, fair enough. There, I, I'd be happy with both, but yeah, I think I think Nick Offerman has a little bit more of the comedy chops. Agreed. Um, like Rip Torn. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why I didn't think of Nick Offerman. I think that's a, I think it's a brilliant call. Uh, all right, uh, Sandy, Sandy the wife. Uh, who did? We'll, we'll we'll go to you. Who did you go with? There's not much um, personality to Sandy. Yeah. I mean, other than loving wife and loving mother, and just she likes photography, but she's kind of there. Uh, so. You know, I, I mean, I I picked a decent named actress who's good at comedy, and so I think she would do well with this. Yeah, she's just solid, and she's probably done a lot more drama stuff recently. But she's got comedy roots, and I think she would do well as like the mother age type. Now, mm-hmm. I went with Reese Witherspoon as my Sandy. Okay, I actually looked at her. Okay, cool. I I can totally see that. Yeah, she's she's at that point now where, uh, you know, she's she's playing mom roles and stuff like that. I will say, yes. I had a very hard time finding kind of anyone who looked like a mom role because mm-hmm. everybody looks twenty years younger now. So even yes, even the women do. who are like in their mid forties look like they're in their at at worst, you know, early thirties. Yeah, and they, you know, we just, I was, again, yeah, similar, trying to find people who could have a kid in high school, Mm -hmm. and, you know, who would be that age, I know, granted, I know people my age technically could, if if I had a kid, like, right at 25 or under that, Um, but most people nowadays, I feel, are having kids in that 25 to 35 range, Um, so yeah, yeah. but you're right, even a 50-year-old person looks 40 or younger nowadays, So, so yeah. um, I 
just kind of went with an actress. Uh, you know, there wasn't, there's not, as you mentioned, there's not much to the role. So I was like, mm-hmm. all right, who's just someone I would like to see? And this woman's name came up. I was like, God, you know what? I don't know if I've really seen her in anything lately. She was big in the late 90s. She was big in the early 2000s. And so I just kind of went with her. I went with Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh, I mean, I, I absolutely can see her fitting in that role, too. Yeah, just just kind of yeah. a mom role, having fun with her kids. Mm-hmm. Nothing too crazy. Yeah, nothing too crazy. I mean, maybe they can figure out how to get that role a little bit bigger, a little bit more emphasized. But, you know, it doesn't have to be the case. Right. But, yeah, yeah I think Jennifer Love Hewitt or Reese Witherspoon would equally uh, be good at that role. I agree. I agree. Uh, all right. Our Jack. I don't know how one can recast John Candy. Very tough. Or if it's even Very possible. Very difficult. I, I looked at a lot of different people, but I went to a standby, I'll say. Okay, who did you go to? I went to a guy who is a, a funny family man uh, on a show that I love. And I've cast every person from this show because I really like it. And I think he would do, he kind of can play the everyman. Now, granted, he doesn't necessarily on the show that he's on, but... I think he can. He's got like that that ability as an actor. He's funny, good family man at the right age range. I am with and- Anthony Anderson. I fucking love the guy. Adam, I also went with Anthony Anderson. Hey, woo! I could not think of anyone else who was the right age range, who was doing comedy, who is kind of the right body type. You kind of need that mm-hmm. that John Candy. You know, it's it's this it's the surprise. It's this who's this lub who can't do anything and he's got to overcome yeah. things. Um, he's although kind of insecure. Yeah. Although you think you could, yeah. Anthony Anderson has slimmed down quite a bit um, has, in his later years, but I think he's he's got the right demeanor. Um, he's got the right acting chops, the right comedic chops. Um, I did. Yep. I could not think All of that. anyone else who I thought could fit this role. So the only other person I actually thought that I kind of liked for it was, well, I thought Kevin James, but he's a little older than I want now. Yeah. Maybe 10 years ago, Kevin James would have been the right call. Um, but right, but I also thought Adam Scott, he does not have the largeness to him, but we know him from Parks and Rec um, and Party Down and other stuff. He's He can play like that insecure person. Okay. And so maybe that, like his personality I thought fit, but... Anthony Anderson has the better family man vibes. He's yeah. got, you know, and he just fits better to me. I, and so that's cool. I'm, I'm surprised that you got it, but I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think, I think Anthony Anderson would be perfect for this. Cool. And I would definitely. Cool. This is a, this is a remake. I think I would go see. If, you know, if Anthony Anderson was, yep. was, was leading this, I think it'd be perfect. One hundred percent. So, all right. Well, I'm glad we got, uh, we, we came up with something together there. Um. I think, yeah. I, I, honestly, I was thinking out of all of the characters, I figured Anthony Anderson might be the one that we had together. But still, it's it's always fun when that happens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, and that was our recasting of a summer rental movie. Thank you all for listening, and please join us next time as John and Adam go over their top 10 favorite original Xbox games. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.
Hi, my name is Scott, and I host a nostalgia cast called People Don't Forget. Join me each episode for a deep dive into all things nostalgia. Do you remember your favorite songs from the year 2000 or the TV shows you watched in 2003? If you don't, that's okay. Listen to People Don't Forget and take a particular journey with me down memory lane.